Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by the Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two, whilst occasionally sampling a beer, Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing with this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing Monday the 9th of October 2023. Okay, let's make something exciting that isn't exciting, shall we? Talk about all seed rape first. Value of all seed rate for November is 3.43. Yesterday, the market took an absolute pasting. And I'm told by my experts that there's something to do with macroeconomic problems. Funds withdrawing their money because cost of living crisis is getting people to invest less. And why would you invest in stocks and various things when you have 3% potential income from your bank? So oil is down as well, which is kind of bad news for the OPEC cartel. Yeah, I am not of the opinion there's that much Aussie rape around to trade, so I am still of the belief that that market will have some life in it at some point. Next harvest, value for harvest, is significantly higher. It's 358 for harvest movement, so yeah, take it or leave it. I again think issues with this year's planting, I've seen damage done to oilseed rape crops already. I'm sure one or two others of you have as well. Let's see how that one develops. Let's get to January and see the crop die again, shall we? Well, let's bear in mind that right now, this is the optimum time for planting wheat, certainly, or any cereal planting, and it is happening all over the place. It is perfect conditions. The farming community are working ungodly hours. They're genuinely getting up before it's light and going to bed after it's dark because there is so much to do. I mean, we have obviously planting, there's getting the fields ready, there is getting sugar beet out, there is getting potatoes out, there is, you name it, they are out there and they are doing it. And their total focus clearly is on the process of actually producing the goods, getting it in the ground, getting it in the right conditions. You know, that ultimately is their job. It means that they can't or haven't really got the time to think about grain prices. You can't really stop thinking about, you know, mending your drill or something and then have a chat with someone about possibly selling a couple hundred tonnes of wheat. So the grain trade is quiet, you know, so we're twiddling our thumbs a bit, which is lovely, but it's, you know, you sort of look at the overheads ticking away and everyone's sitting there. But you totally understand that it's not the right time to firm people up and hassle them about thinking about selling grain. Whether the market's going up or going down, well, we try and tell you that on the podcast. In our opinion, and last week we were proven right, it is drifting downwards, especially in the nearby. And that's still the message. I think that farmers will be selling their wheat pre-Christmas for levels lower than we're going to be talking about today. But that doesn't mean to say they're going to be receptive to you phoning them up and saying you should be selling some wheat if you need to move it before Christmas because they don't want to think about it. So I respect that. I understand that. I tend to, if I'm busy, someone comes in and says, got some sort of brilliant idea and I go, look, I ain't got time to think about it. Just bury it. Go away. And I get all sorts of criticism for that from the wife. But sometimes your little brain is going in one direction and you don't want to deviate from that course. And so that's why it's happening. Anyway, so value of feed wheat at this moment for November, 170. It's dropped off a five from last week. Value for May, 185. Very good carry. 
prices are not tolerable to farmers, but I think they're going to go lower in the short term unless we have some more excitement from the Ukraine area. Underlyingly, a couple of members of my team are now beginning to turn into this is the bottom sort of mood, or we're very close to it. And I think they're probably right, but actually calling the moment of it is, you know, bottom picking is for fools. Yeah, it's that place where there are arguments about a dry Australia with the crop developing. This is a critical month for grain fill. It's very dry in Western Australia especially. Those sorts of stories, issues about other countries' problems. It's very dry in Ukraine, very dry in Russia. And if it doesn't get established and ready to face the winter, you know, in other words, if it's not germinating because there's no moisture there, then that could mean they actually have some winter kill for a change, which they haven't seen for four or five years. Those sorts of things could very easily push the market up. But they're not actually happening right now. The frost isn't happening right now. And therefore, it's kind of probability versus actual versus you only know the facts after the event and and then we get all the expert hindsight traders i don't feel that today friday morning it is the bottom of the fall yet i think it's got some more to go and i also think when the farmers engage as we spoke about earlier when they actually come out and engage in selling i think the market will have more sellers than buyers which could create a slightly irritating problem for people trying to sell grain and get some money in Feed barley, that's come down a bit as well. Seems to be a little less competitive export-wise. Currently 157x November, 170x for May. Not a lot to say about that. Don't see that changing much. I do think there'll be more export coming in and it'll be around those levels in the 60s. Milling wheat premium over feed wheat, 65 quid, mainly post-Christmas now. I think pre-Christmas, lots of the trades have been done. People have lined up, very good prices have been traded, well over £200 a tonne. And therefore, you know, if you've got a protein in your wheat, make sure you, you weigh the sample at someone. Exciting malting barley, that's a bit more exciting. I think that's coming back to life. I said it's in the doldrums last week. I think there's a few signs of people buying it now. We've had a couple of people come on and say, mm, you know, have you got any of this, that or the other? And... There's reportedly been a good price traded on some spring barley, which has kind of lifted everybody. And the FOB market values seem to be increasing again as the realisation of how bad the Scandinavian crop is getting bigger. There's a Borse next week, which four of the team are attending in Warsaw. So we'll be able to, you know, pick up some more gossip on that and check out the local brews. Kind of the plan, I think. I'm not going to take the microphone over there this time. I'm going to leave it just so I can relax. That's kind of it on the market. So winter barley, springtime, value X farm for March. Winter barley, 250. Spring barley, 260. That's kind of the level it's at at the moment. That's for March next year. Pre-Christmas, lots of trade has been done. Not much more to be done. And everybody wants to move it in that period. So it's a discount. But I do see those values holding at that level or getting better. So new crop... Current values on new crop are about, if you had November fee wheat X farm, it would currently be 183, 184, somewhere around there. And if you'd wave some at someone and said, here, have some 185, probably they'd pay it. So that's about the value for November. Take sort of 20 quid off that for harvest, not 15 quid off that for harvest, and add 10 quid to that. I don't know, actually, if you, re- if you absolutely waved some wheat at someone for May 25, would they pay 200 for it? Yeah, I reckon they would. I reckon you'd get it. So if 200 is your goal, maybe someone will spec take that. I mean, my view of new crop is it is going to go up. I think the weather is wrong in the world. I think that the stocks of wheat have reduced again. I think we're relying on good production annually. Every year we have a decent harvest. And 
you know, look back through history, all the way through history, every now and again we get a bad harvest and the price goes through the roof and it's getting overdue. So Aussie crops smaller, Russia-Ukraine dry, could be establishment problems. All right, UK's perfect drilling conditions, but it hasn't rained yet. If I had to go one way or the other and close my eyes and trade, I would do nothing on new crop. In saying that, if you can make £200 a tonne for feed wheat... As a budget with the lower input costs that you got, you have to be the grown-up and say, do you know what? That idiot says it's only going to go up or sideways. In the meantime, it'll probably go down, I will add. But at some point, you have to say, look, that beats my budget. That cheers my bank manager up. My land agent, if you pay one of those guys, will go, what a clever chap you are. You know, maybe you should be locking into some of it just in case the world has a bumper harvest all over again. This week's podcast, I've actually got young Tom Pegg on. He's our new, our other new recruit. We employed him and Harry to get out there and conquer the universe. And having sat down with him about 20 minutes after we did the podcast, and we did it so he can kind of record back in time. So maybe maybe one day, you know, 40 years on when he's uh, the head trader for Cargill somewhere or another, he'll look back and say, yeah, but I was trained by the legendary doing grain team. His education in this industry is coming from us, which is random and vaguely, you know, different, I think. Not ideal in lots of respects, but we're not particularly corporate, and I think that will give him an advantage in his career. But anyway, 20 minutes after he physically did the podcast, he did his first deal. So he bought 58 tonnes of wheat off a regular customer, which is fair enough, he picked up the phone. But more importantly, he did the deal, he did it correctly, put the contract on correctly, and he got up and rang the bell. We have a bell that they have to ring if they, if they do a trade, which, yeah, all credit to him. It was very, very, very cool for him, and well done, Tom, and good luck with your career. The only other thing to mention is I haven't got a venue yet, but I have decided that the podcast walk is going to be Tuesday the 31st, so the last day of October at 2pm in the afternoon, but I don't know the venue yet, so I will be looking for somewhere to do a sort of five or six mile walk, 2pm on Tuesday the 31st of October, a venue to be agreed. So with that, have a great week planting all that grain, because all that stuff you put in the ground means I've got a job next year, lads, so get out there and keep doing it. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The Dewing Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications, informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download. And with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 or email info at doinggrain.co.uk. And now it's time for the farm chat. Okay, today I have got with me Tom Pegg, uh, who is our latest and newest recruit at Farm Buying for Doing Grain. So welcome, Tom. Good morning, everyone. And we had Harry on a few weeks ago. This is much more considered, Tom, so you got a chance to really shine. Yeah, I try my best. I haven't been ambushed like poor old Harry on a night shift. <laughs> poor old Harry. Anyway, so let's start with, you know, you've been employed to initially be a grain buyer calling on farmers in Norfolk for us. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't fill you full of, like, dread and fear then, you thought? No, no. I'm, I'm yeah, looking forward to having the freedom to 
go out and farm, build some relationships with farmers, and you know, prove myself in an industry that, to be honest, I would never have thought I would have gone into. No, but well, that's yeah. that's you know, good good ambition, yeah. good ambitious start. I mean, just before we get to that, what have you done previous? So, what, when you left school, what was your first thing you did? So, I left school. Didn't do A levels, went straight to college where I did gamekeeping for a, a few years because mm-hmm. um, I liked shooting. And mm-hmm. that was, you know. There's several of the people you're dealing with who like shooting too, so yeah. you should have something to talk about. Silly me. Um, didn't really realise that gamekeeping is not just shooting. Shooting is one end of the, you know, the conservation gamekeeping side. Gamekeeping, actually making it happen, is something completely different. But stuck it out, went down to Newmarket, went uh, from Beckles to Newmarket was game farming, game keeping, mm-hmm. um, you know, strenuous, hard labour in our respect, all these guys that do that, that is, you know, I, yeah, that was incredible. But yeah, that put some blisters in my hands, hairs on my back. And then I came, well, I came home back to Norfolk, went cattle farming, I ran a breeding unit of a, um, a fattening farm. So how did you get from one to the other? What, how did that work? Completely well. So I knew a bloke who I was working with down in Newmarket on the game farm, mm-hmm. and I, I'd had enough. And I came up, and he um, got a new job on the cattle farm in Kenningall. Mm-hmm. So I started there, um, spent about a week at home, chilling out, you know, living life, and then yeah, went went working in Kenningall, which is a fifty mile trip from yeah. home. Well, you're you're Sheringham. Sheringham, yeah. yeah. I'm a Shannock, and yeah, fifty miles from Sheringham to Kenningall to go and get not, filthy. Yeah, you know, it's not a very economic. Uh... No, it wasn't. It was not regenerative at all. <laughs> at all. That's the that's the trendy word. So is that where we saved you from? Is that is that like you did? Yeah, yeah. And after being at school with Harry in the same year, mm. same classes, sets, special school. Yeah, special. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit rude. Um, <laughs> well, it is very special. My daughter goes to that school, so it is a special school. Yeah, for my special sister people. in there as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you worked with Harry, and Harry had been taken on in, in night shift, and we'd come up with a brilliant idea of having two twenty-one-year-olds running our grain store. Yeah, fantastic idea. It was good. That did take a bit of a sell to the farmers, I'll mm, tell you. I, I did sound like, yeah, because it's like, okay, you want two 21-year-olds to be in charge of drying yeah. that expensive malting barley. The prices at the time were like 300-odd pounds a tonne, and we were putting it in your hands and going... Well, I, I did the maths at one point, and it was millions of pounds of grain in, in silos, which takes for one week for a fan not to go on, not to look at the grain, go in, and, it, yeah, we could have written the whole place off yeah. in a distart, disastrous fashion. Yeah, good. Yeah. Awareness of stuff like that is uh, largely not the, not the concern of anyone who's a grain trader generally, mm. because they don't run stores. It's up to the uh, if the other people do it, it's their problem. We'll we'll default them, and it's their yeah. problem. But actually, being aware that these things can happen, it emphasises the urgency, doesn't it? That's, that's all part of the knowledge that you gained. I mean, that in particular, I think that's the, the strongest and one of the big reasons I've given you two guys the opportunity to come in here is because the depth of your knowledge about actual grain storage. I mean, it's not the f- funnest job, is it? What, the, the storage side of things? No, sweeping up... I mean, it's, it's strenuous, sweep, it's hardcore. Sweep, um, sweeping out F4 when it's empty. Yeah, that's a 2,000-ton bin for all the listeners, which has a very large bottom of the bin um, that requires sweeping, shoveling, after whenever it gets emptied. And yeah, that is, it's horrible, so you breathe in dust. Yeah, and there's how many, how many bins here? There's... Uh, uh, there's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, about 20 bins. Yeah. Well, six of those have got hoppers, so it's yeah. not so bad. But it, it, sweeping out bins, I always 
make a point of doing a, a bit of one each year, so at least yeah, I climb yeah, in yeah. and winch me in that level, just to show that I realise how miserable it is. But no, we did. We did realise that. You yeah. did well. You yeah. did, but you did the rest of them, all the rest of them. So it's all one token, little moment of two shovelfuls, and off I go. Photo opportunity, but it was, uh, you know, that stuff is character building and gives you a real grasp of, you know, an individual farms. Well, if you move that there and put that there and put that there, you could probably fit it all in, mate. But the realization of how much work that would take only comes from someone who's done it mm. and you go I wouldn't wish that on anybody so let's find yeah. another solution my point being you've got knowledge on the basis of experience yeah. physically and you know about temperatures you know 35 on the yeah. you know grain temperature for malting barley yeah. no one could drum that into anybody's brain unless they physically had to do it but well, you've got to do it you've got to <laughs> see the you know the pattern the sequences between moisture drying temperatures you know bushel weights you've you know, to be to be able to understand that you've got to have to do it, you've got to you know have done it in the past, and it helps you appreciate all the labour that goes into it. You know, the boys, you know, some grain traders, they're marching around, you know, stores, thinking they're you know probably maybe better than everyone else. You know, and then they're talking to labourers in the store, thinking, you know, why, is he, why is he making such a fuss? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why, and, why haven't you done that? Why haven't you dried that already? Yeah, yeah, yeah because, and it helps them. Um, well, this it, it's. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know that that background knowledge is going to give you a big advantage over some of the graduates that, are, that you're competing against, which is what you're going to be head-to-head with. I mean, when you actually get out there on the farm, what, what are your expectations? What do you think the farmers are going to do? I'm probably going to have a mix of reactions. I think it's, Get off my land. Oh. Yeah, well, hopefully, because <coughs> I have to make an appointment first, so they're not going to be like that. But, yeah, going to get some, yeah, some nice receptive farmers. Um, probably some farmers that are going to be a little bit hesitant about you know dealing with a young lad who's been in the game half as long as they have. But you know, with the likes of you, Webby, Josh, Joe, and Ben behind me, I think um, they might be reassured because they're you know effectively going to be dealing with well, we're, the, we're, the company rather than yeah. We're than focusing myself. on yeah. I mean, initially you're going to do trades with us backing you clearly, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people in Norfolk that are growing grain that we're not trading with. We've got a, a, a good customer base and yeah. we're very happy and it's growing all the time. And we've decided to make this move to grow a bit more. So there's a bit more competition out there for the grain trade, which is, uh, you know, I'm sure you're all delighted with that. But, you know, we're going to try and keep within the boundaries of the area we trade. Norfolk is important to us, just, you know, across into the fens a bit. South Norfolk, we're not doing as many tons as we should. There's an opportunity for us there. North Suffolk, you know, developing those areas um, with the two of you. And, and there's not, you know, no one's given a specific area. It's, it's a bit go where you like with yeah. us. But the dynamic of relationships are important. It doesn't have to be, got to speak to Tom. Because you will have people who specifically are yours. But as a business, we don't do that. I, You know, other firms in my youth, you had a very specific area. If you stepped over the line... Someone, even if you were trading loads with the guy, it would it would be wrong, and it would have to be handed across to another rep who would make a fuss, but then subsequently lose the business, and it used to really frustrate me. And in the end, the the big deal is getting the business for the company, not yeah. your own figures. Of course, you and Harry are going to compete, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, there's already competition <coughs> in the office. Um, he can pick up the phone the quickest. He can make yeah. Who can make the worst coffee while well, Harry's winning the Yeah, that that's moment. definitely... Well, I think that's probably hat-trick to Harry at the minute. That's proving a little bit harder. What, the coffee-making? Yeah, I mean, obviously, for likes myself, it's easy, but... 
Um, <laughs> it, yeah, so competition is a, is a healthy and an unhealthy thing mm. in a trading team. If you get someone who's absolutely nailing it and starts getting arrogant with it, it really demoralises. Yeah. So we, I'm very into the reality of you can't hide from the fact that you've bought 200 tonnes and he hasn't bought 100 or, you know, and it's a very long-term thing, this industry. You, If you get a customer and you get on with them and you do a couple of good deals, give them good advice and they get gain trust in you, the beauty of this job is it's an annual event. Yeah. The yeah. harvest always occurs. Yeah. Unless they start growing flowers for the government, which is a possibility, <laughs> but maybe we should trade flowers. Anyway, the, but... But the point is, you will ha- you will gain over a period of time customers, and then if you are good, word of mouth is the way it works. One of your farmers will tell someone else about you, and oh, he's got some of that stuff. Perhaps you should call him. And it, it, you know, it takes a long time. It took a long time for the customer base here to become established. Yeah. And as long as you know that, you don't expect you know instant reward and and a hundred thousand tons in your first year. It's fine. I'd be happy if you did do under a thousand dozen the first year, as long as it's profitable. It's about, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not expecting you guys to pay for yourselves in, in year one. Let's put it that way. That's that's not how it works. No. But I'm expecting you to grasp what the customer needs yeah. above everything else. If you can grasp that, you've got a much greater chance of supplying him what he needs. I.e take the grain locally don't take it to northern england where you might get rejected and have a 50 pound haulage charge don't take risks on their behalf try and you know put their malting barley to a home where it isn't going to get rejected or there's going to be a small allowance which which still gives them a good premium knowledge of what you can do with the product yeah so you've got lots of work to do yeah well i mean it's going to be yeah it's going to be a massive (coughs) challenge obviously i'm just looking forward to the moment really when i can start making a difference, start contributing to the team and the company, making decisions, you know, for myself, building up relationships with farmers that, you know, that are will be my own farmers, which will be, you know, very exciting. I've already made great relationships with, you know, trailer drivers, tractor drivers, farmers, just from being on the Waybridge already, which is quite important. You know, word spreads quite quickly, so I've got well, to try and, and, be and you've a nice the, guy. you've learned the language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing is that the differentiation that you will have so we'd like to think that, we, that we're teaching you how to think on your feet, providing the stuff the farmer wants. So, you know, you're going to be independent and... Well, yeah, not, you know, I'm not a robot. I want yeah. to be able to form an opinion of my own. Um, well, you're not a robot and you're not a stormtrooper. <laughs> and that's the, that's the best, best thing you've got. You, you know, you've taken the helmet off and you've got... It's like, I haven't got to do what someone who doesn't even come from this county says because he doesn't know what's really going on and he's going to be, he's not going to do the right thing for my farmer. I can actually go, no, I'm in the trading room. If it goes there, it's going to be wrong. We need to do something different with it. You won't be shouted down for for trying to do the right thing. That will encompass thinking. You will be allowed to think and input into the trading conversations. We're already introducing you into that. We're sitting there having a conversation about the market in the trading room and you're involved in it every single day. Should we be doing this? What are we doing? What's our plan? At the moment, there's nothing really going on for us, is there? Farmers are are optimum planting time for wheat and they're not engaged. So if you phone them up at the moment, they do not want to talk to you. Well, you know, you can't, you've got to be aware of what they're doing at the time. You know, the last thing a farmer wants to hear when he's sitting in a tractor drilling is his phone going off and some young chap trying to get his number, trying to arrange a meeting for a fortnight time. So, yeah, there's a lot more to, yeah, got to think about the position they're in 
especially. Yeah, it's, you can't put it off forever because no. it's, it's, a, it's a misery, but there's a fine balance. And is that perceptual skill to say, okay, I know this is not the right time, but we would really like to trade with you doing grain or an independent Norfolk company. All our taxes are paid in the UK. We are doing the best job for farmers in the area. So when you've got a minute, sir, madam, then, you know, for goodness sake, please give us the opportunity to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, there's people I, I know, farmers <coughs> that could, um, and I've spoken to, I've got friends that, you know, have family farms, and I, I think they could benefit from their, you know, their grain, um, going to a local merchant, going to local consumers, you know, minimising hoardage costs, um, yep. you know, and if you do run the risk of getting, you know, claims and rejections, you know, we can we can deal with that in, a, in, in the easiest way, rather than, you know, wait going out to Scotland, getting rejected, and you incurring a massive cost coming back down. Yeah, um, all those things that aren't explained that which well, yeah, simple yeah. simple stuff that which in the long run is going to keep keep the farm on an even keel isn't it so what do you reckon then in 40 years time when you're my age well <laughs> blimey I'd like to would you, would serious like to, like to be retired would you no no i think i don't blame you because it's well, really boring people who retire are like oh my goodness what do they talk <laughs> about well, I'd like to be, yeah, hopefully. I mean, time will tell. If I'm really enjoying this, I can see myself doing it for um, to the end of time. You'd like to be yeah. king, king of the hill? King of the hill, yeah, potentially in that chair over there. Um, I think that'd be broken good. by then. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, OK, that, um, I would like to think that the ivory tower will be built yeah. in, you know, it'll be a 40-storey uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, middle of... Middle Progression. Of, who knows, but you'll come in and say, right, we're going to buy it today, boys. Yeah, uh, yeah that would be... That's what I'd like to do. I'd like to be head of the table, yeah, making decisions, leading conversations about what the market's going to do this week. Enjoying yourself, yeah. having a laugh, living in the 1970s with the way you speak to people, all That's that it. stuff, yeah. with that model. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think in 40 years' time, when I'm, you know, I'm pushing up the daisies somewhere, that you, you know, there's a team of people who are still trading under, under the name of Doing Grain. It would be, you know, probably that's a dream. I don't know, goodness mm-hmm. knows. But I'd like... The, the kind of ethos of the business, the, the mentality of what we do here, how we do it, it's, you know, ha- how it is. And more importantly, you'll look back and go, like, I, I brag about being, you know, my first job, Don Patterson was the boss, Ivan Bishop was the grain manager, and the, the teaching I had, unbeknown to me, was absolutely superb in values, in attitude to how you went about trading, manning up about stuff, really, really being decisive, trying new stuff, being inventive, and not being a robot, if you like. Yeah. I brag about that. I'd love to think that in a few years' time, this is my own little ego going here, that you'll be turning around and saying, listen, you know, I was taught by the uh, legendary team of doing great, and those boys, name them, reel them off. And, you know, over the years, we've brought people in, and I'm part of that ethos, and I'm now teaching you, Sonny, who's just come and joined on the podcast, 45 years on podcast that you're now, you're now doing. <laughs> There'll be some little oik sitting there like you are now. Yeah, and they're gonna sweating. Go, yeah, go, <laughs> you know, and you're going to make them feel relaxed and make them say these things and make them reflect. And the best thing about this podcast, Tom, is that it will be in existence in 40 years' time. Yeah. So you'll be able to listen to yourself... God. And your your youthful aspirations. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, blimey. I'm just grateful I didn't have that happen to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. <coughs> I mean, I, dare I say, I could probably brag about my, my training and the opportunity that I've been given. I mean, there's plenty of lads that I know, you know, wouldn't have this. Um, yeah. And for the rest of the industry, they probably wouldn't have a microphone being shoved in their face, being dragged, dragged, dragged into an office. <laughs> That's good. But, you know, you know, being put under pressure is probably one of the best ways to learn. 
Well, I've, I've taught you how to actually use the recording equipment, so there's nothing stopping yeah, you hosting yeah. one of the podcasts. You just need to believe you can do it. Yeah. Take some pressure off me to get the damn things cut ready for, <laughs> ready for next week. Take it to the pub after work on a Friday. Yeah, absolutely. Get some interesting conversations there. Well, yeah, that's probably not with... Uh, <laughs> we don't want them publicised, do we, Tom? <laughs> right, so I think with that, I, I and I wish you, obviously, the, the greatest success in your career, especially in these first few years you're with us. But, no, I, I hope... You know, I hope you have a similar experience to me. I've, I've loved it. It's been a great industry to be in, and it is unique. If you say to someone, they'll say, what do you do? You go, I'm a grain trader. And they go, oh, what? The best answer from then onwards is, I've always used is, I'm a train grader. I like to go down the platform with my anorak, <laughs> and I've seen the NC3332211PX four times now at Norwich, and I think it's coming back next week. And by um, then, they're, they're going, huh? <laughs> still, yeah. And do you, and, do you and still like, to get girls with that one? I, I, I don't need to talk to get girls. I just want to. Back in the day, yeah. he said. But no, the, the, my point being that when someone asks you what you do, they don't really want to hear what you do. And if they don't hear you saying grain trader in the first place, just tell them you're a train grader. And that's and then skip the subject and talk about them. And, and if I was to give you any advice, when you're on farm, in the end other than getting your message across, don't run on and on and on and on mm. about all the things we do and what we don't do. Ask them what they want. Talk about them. Yeah. And that is the biggest trick. What does the farmer want from a merchant? Ask him questions. Don't talk about yourself. And if they really want to know, then they'll ask you. So there you go. With that marvellous piece of advice, Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get updates on new episodes and when they are released. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich. 